Welcome to Passion Life Church. This morning, we're in part four of a series we've entitled Just Like Jesus. And if you would think about really in your life, there, all of us have had some person in our life who has impacted us, who's influenced us to be like Jesus. And it was because their life was like Jesus. And maybe it was because, it, or maybe it was because they were a, a Sunday school teacher. When you, how many of you went to Sunday school and your parents took you and you, you had, you know, your teacher there and, and she influenced you. And I really believe some of us even today, we're in church today because of somebody was like Jesus that impacted us and influenced our life. And you know, now it's our turn. It's our turn to be that person. And let's look at our theme scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. You can just kind of mark that down. We're going to be turning to Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles today or you're scrolling, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4 today, verse 13. But let's read our theme scripture. It says this in Romans chapter 8. For whom he foreknew, how many of you know God knew you before you were born? That means he strategically placed you on this planet here and now. Your life is not an accident. You are here on purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. That word is molded, conformed, molded to the image that word there is likeness of his son. Who's his son? Jesus. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So the Bible is telling us that God wants us to live saved lives. In other words, Jesus comes into our hearts and we become born again and we are going to heaven. He wants us to live saved lives. But how many of you know he wants us to live called lives. In other words, we're not just supposed to sit around and wait to go to heaven. While we are on the earth, we are supposed to live our calling. What is our calling? To be just like Jesus on the earth. You know, the Bible talks about our good works, that when we do good works, people will see those good works and they will look at us and they will glorify our God in heaven. You know, Good works don't save anyone. Can I hear a good amen? Our good works don't save anybody, but your good works may help get somebody else to heaven because they can glorify God. And so that's what this series has been about. And we've been talking about how is this going to happen? How are you and I going to be like Jesus? Because, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 tells us this, that we are Christ's ambassadors. In other words, you and I are Christ's representative. Right here in Marietta, California, and whether you go into Wildemar sometimes or you go to Temecula or Lake Elsinore, you are Christ's representative. Will you turn to your neighbor just real quick and just say, you represent him. Just, just, just remind him, you represent him. Because we're Christ's ambassadors. It says God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So when I am out and about in my family at the store, I am Christ's representative. But how does this happen? How do I continue to be more like Jesus? Well, we also said that behind every great thing, there is a great how. If you've ever noticed somebody who has a great marriage, you go, wow, their marriage is great. 
Well, there's a reason why their marriage is great. There's a great how. And so what is the great how? You being like Jesus, this is going to happen primarily with your relationship with this right here, with the word of God. And we went through in the last couple of uh, part one and part, actually part two and part three, and we went through and we talked about how valuable this is, what this is going to do in your life. And uh, today what I want to do is I want to talk about uncovering some strategic tactics of the enemy, uncovering some strategic strategies of the enemy. How many of you have found out in your relationship with God, as you move closer to Jesus, the devil gets madder at you? How many of you noticed that when your life starts to change, it wasn't just hallelujah, it was a change. How many of you found like me that that change and moving forward, there were some struggles that came with that? And there was some struggles from the enemy. And he knows something. He knows, the enemy knows the power of this word. Can I tell you that the sad part about some Christians is that the enemy knows the word better than they do? We know the enemy knows the word, but he twists it. Because remember when he came to Jesus, he starts talking to Jesus when Jesus was fasting for 40 days. And he takes this word and he starts to twist it. He knows the word of God. And he knows the impact that this can happen. And so turn to Mark chapter 4 verse 13 if you haven't found it. We're going to look at a very famous parable. What's a parable? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus would talk in earthly terms about heavenly stuff. Jesus would bring heaven to earth in the things that he said. How many of you think that's a good conversation? Jesus is about to tell us, and I think today is going to be so strategic in your life. I'm so glad that you came. He's going to start to talk to us about what happens when you begin to build a relationship with this word. And what Jesus is going to do is he's going to unveil some methods, some tactics that Satan's going to try to do to separate you from this word. Why, Pastor Phil? Because it's this word that's going to mold you into the character of Jesus. Look, Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Have you found it? If you haven't, just give up. And he said to them, who's he? Jesus. Jesus' parable. He said to them, know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, somebody say heard. When they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they... Likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they that are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. 
fruitful. And these are they which sown on good, are sown on good ground, such as hear the word as receiving it and bring forth some fruit, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundredfold. I'm praying today that as we look at this parable, that you will look inside your heart and take everything out of your heart that's going to hinder you from having a hundredfold return in your life. Jesus makes this statement, and I think it's an important statement. Jesus is saying that if we don't understand this parable right here that we just read, this is how important this parable is. He said, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand any other parable? How many of you say that makes this parable pretty important? If we, and, and, and I didn't understand this at first. Why is he saying this? Why is he saying this about this parable? What he is saying, if you don't understand how the enemy comes, if you don't understand his tactics, the enemy will come into your heart and wreck your heart. And if you don't deal with some of these things, you may not even get to some of the other parables. So we have to understand this parable. So what is Jesus talking about? It's the parable of Jesus, the sower, sowing the word. And so Jesus is saying, anytime the word of God is preached, just like right now, the word of God is being preached. Anytime that it's being preached, listen, the reaction of this word will entirely depend on the person who receives it. So right now, what I'm doing is I'm scattering seed. I'm reading the word of God. I'm, I'm throwing out seed. And so this word is so powerful, it has the power to produce something in your life. So my concern is not the word. My concern and Jesus' concern, guess what his concern was? The condition of the soil. And what we're going to talk about this morning is that the condition of the soil represents our hearts. Our hearts. I don't know if you've ever planted seed. I don't know if you've ever tried to do something in your backyard. You go down to Lowe's or Home Depot and you, you, get some, uh, you get some seed and you throw it out. And when you throw out that seed and you start to work that garden... If you see a piece of seed falls on the sidewalk, you don't go, wow, this seed doesn't work. What's wrong? I'm going to take this seed. I'm taking it back to Lowe's. I'm taking it back to Home Depot. This seed does not work. No, the seed works, but it's where it was placed that can determine where or if it'll even have a harvest. You never, you never hear anybody say, oh, the seed was faulty. No, the seed is never faulty. This is perfect. This is never faulty. But as it goes out, guess what? We are the soil. That's why I pray every time on Sundays when, before you come to church, I pray, God, let our hearts be good ground for this seed. Because this seed will produce a harvest if our hearts are ready for it. But if our hearts have stuff going on, then it is possible that we're not going to get the result that the word wants to have in our life. And this is the goal of the enemy. 
This is the goal of Satan, to distract you, to distract your heart. Why? So as this word is going out, it doesn't produce what it's supposed to produce because our hearts are distracted. Why, Pastor Phil, why is he trying to move my heart so it's not good soil? Because it's through this word that your life will change. It's through this word that your mind will be renewed. This is going to tell us how to be just like Jesus. It's through this word that you're going to find out who you are in Christ. It's through this word that your marriage will get better. It's through this word that you will live a life, the Bible says, that you can't even think or imagine. This will take you to where God wants you to be and take you to where he wants you to go. It's your relationship with God's word that's going to conform you to the image of Jesus. So watch. Today what we're going to do is I'm going to talk about the four conditions of the heart, or you could say four soils. And today as we go through this, my church family, I do this a lot. I probably do it every week. I look at my heart and what's going on in my heart. And maybe you will identify with one of these conditions. And if you do, man, I would say get it out of your heart. Get it out of your life. Why? So this can produce what it's supposed to produce. So Jesus says, the word comes in seed form. Here it comes. Here comes the word, verse 15. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes when? Immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Can I just tell you, don't let the devil have more of a passion for the word than you. Notice this, as soon as the word comes, he goes first. And here's the first type of soil or the first type of heart condition. The wayside soil represents a hard heart. Wayside soil is the soil that's kind of next to the road. It's next to the road. It's, it's on the side of the road. And wayside soil is always hard. And maybe it's hard because of what's been done to it. People have trampled on it. Maybe it's hard because of, I don't know, the environment that it's in. Maybe it's hard because it's taken a pounding. And so the soil has become hard. I want you to listen to this because I think the Lord is trying to show us something. We read in the book of Romans that God had a strategic plan for your life. That even before you were born, God knew you, and his plan was that you would be just like Jesus on this earth. Your life would have impact. Your life would be productive. That was God's plan. But let me just let you know that the enemy has a plan for you. Listen, that even before you hear this word, and maybe this will make sense with some of us because he's doing it out in society today. His plan is to make a person's hard hard. His plan 
is to get you in around cynical people who doubt the word, speak negatively, talk bad about you, trying to hurt your heart. Maybe get you in some type of relationship where, man, somebody just breaks your heart. And maybe that has come about in some of our lives because maybe we've been abused or we've been hurt. And so our heart gets hard. And here's his goal. He wants to make people's hearts hard. Why? Because he knows eventually the word will be coming. And he knows the power of this word and he knows what this word will do. So he works overtime, ladies and gentlemen, so we can have a hard heart. My heart was hard as a teenager. I had gone through all of these things in my life and the word was preached every Sunday and I didn't have a choice to go to church. I hear parents nowadays telling their kids, their four-year-old, do you want to go to church? You're asking a four-year-old about your spiritual life? My four-year-old buddy, he didn't want to come to church this morning, so we didn't go. Wow, so buddy's the parent. I don't know, Pastor Phil. Should I make my kids go to church? I just don't think that's right. Can I ask you a question? Do you make your kids eat broccoli? Or do you just let them eat whatever they want to eat? Your kid doesn't know what he wants at four years old. That's why God gave him you. Come on, somebody. Shout, I feel the Holy Spirit. You're the leader. You're the adult. Buddy's telling you what he wants. Buddy's going to tell you he doesn't want to. I did not have that option. I had a fever one time of 105. That was like legally dead. My parents said, you're going to church. Dad! Now, you never told my dad no. My dad was like Ricky Ricardo, and he, he didn't speak English that well, but when he got mad, man, his Spanish came out. You never spoke to my dad and said no. He said, we're going to church. If I would have said no, dad, he said, ¿Cómo crees que no vas a la iglesia? Tú vas a ir a la iglesia. I was like, whoa. But that's how I learned how to speak in tongues. Come on, somebody. I remember 105 fever. And then I'd go to mom, mom, dad said, we got to go to church. Mom, I'm going to die. The best place to die is in church. <laughs> the best place to die is, yeah, because if you die, the minister's already there. We can have a funeral right after. We'll get, we'll get a better price. He's already there. Oh, thank you. Christians always want a discount. I didn't have that option. But you know what? I thank God that my parents took me to church. But can I just tell you that seed was being poured out. It's being poured out, but my heart was hard. And I didn't let it penetrate. And you know what? The enemy had some play in that. I think this needs to be said. The enemy can't make you do anything. But you know what? He's going to try to influence you. He's going to try to speak in your ear. And he's going to try to get you to make decisions. And sometimes our heart is hard because we made the wrong decision. Sometimes our heart is hard because it's something that we didn't have any control over. And something happened to us. But listen, think about this. Here is the cure. Here is the Bible says that God can take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. This is how powerful this is. This is why the enemy works so hard to get you to have a hard heart. Now, let me also say this. We can be Christians and still have a hard heart. 
And whatever area your heart is hard in, this will not produce. See, as we go through these, some of you are saying, and you'll say, man, I, my, my, my area is not a hard heart. I'm good, Pastor Phil. But what I've noticed is some people don't have a hard heart necessarily towards people, but they have a hard heart when it comes to obeying certain things that God says. Who this is good preaching. So you can be good ground in one area of your life and hard-hearted in another area of your life. Oh, Pastor Phil, I love to serve at the church. I'm good ground. Yeah, but then when I go home and in my marriage, I'm hard-hearted against my spouse. Guess what? This is not going to produce in your marriage. And one of the things I found, you can be hard-hearted in one area, but that will eventually start to leak into other areas of your life. I know people that they became hard-hearted at work, and because they came hard, became hard-hearted at work, now they're hard-hearted in their marriage. Now they're hard-hearted against God. Why? Because it's this hard wayside soil. But I want you to notice something as we go through these next two, three seed, these next two or three heart conditions, the seed is still the same. The seed is just as powerful with the hard heart as it is the good ground. But what happens is somebody who is good ground makes a decision to say, God, I want your word to penetrate this soil. Help me, God. I, I need you. Now, here's what's cool. The devil can't stop you from hearing God's word. He didn't stop you from hearing the word right now. I know when you got up in the morning and your alarm went off, right? And you're like, should I, I don't know, I think I'm gonna, should I go to church? Should I sleep in? And Satan whispers in your ear, why don't you go to Bedside Baptist with Pastor Pillow? Just stay in bed. Go to Bedside Baptist with Pastor Pillow. And you go, mm, I love Pastor Pillow. Some of you will get this one later. It's way over your head. <laughs> Stay in bed with Deacon Sheets. Yes. <laughs> Pastor Pillow. Bedside Baptist. I love it. The one thing the devil cannot do is he cannot stop you from hearing and so I can hear the word of God. But here's what happened. Because one time I asked, I said, well, God, where's your sovereignty in all this? I mean, it's your word. And here's God's sovereignty. The devil can't stop you from hearing. But God has given you a decision whether you are going to reject this seed or you're going to embrace this seed. And that decision can determine whether you get the result that this word has for your life. The first type of soil is wayside soil. Here's the second one. The parable says it's stony ground. Verse 16, and these are the likewise which are sown into stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so, so endure for a time afterward when affliction, persecution arises for the word's sake. My church family, listen. So why does persecution and affliction arise? For what? Come on, it's an open Bible test. Let me ask you one more time. Afterward, affliction and persecution comes for what? For the word's sake. Wow, this is pretty important. 
I'm being persecuted and there's affliction in my life. Why? Because it's coming because of the word. And so immediately they are offended. I don't know if you've experienced this. You come to church or you give your life to Jesus and all of a sudden things weren't all, you know, cute and cuddly and, and rosy. All of a sudden you had some affliction. You know what that means? Pressure due to circumstances. Pressure due to circumstances. And all of a sudden, you give your life to Jesus, you start having this relationship with the word of God, and your life and circumstances are going crazy. Listen, and then the enemy comes, and he whispers in your ear, and he says, see, if the word is so good, why is this happening to you? Now you have the answer. It's happening because of the word's sake. It's coming into your life and you know, sometimes things get worse before they get better. I've learned that in different times in my life when I've been sick, the doctor tells me, I want you to take this medication, but I want you to know you're not going to like it in the first three days because it's cleaning you out. And you know what? It's going to be tough, but after the third day, it's like Jesus, you're going to run. Wow, okay. And I'll tell you what, those three days I start taking that, oh, I feel worse. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And then that shift comes and things start to get better. But can I tell you this morning that when we get into this word, what happens is pressure starts to come. And you need to know that. Today, if you're here and you're just starting in your Christian walk with God, you know, sometimes things get worse. Why? It's because the word's sake. Pressure comes. The devil does not want this to produce in your life. But at least now you know, all right, you're going to come on strong. I'm going to embrace this word even more because it's going to produce in my life. The Bible says persecution comes. You know what persecution is? In the Greek, it actually means your enemies start coming after you. All because of this word. See, if we don't understand that, what happens is we can say a prayer, ask Jesus into our heart, and then we go back into the world, and things didn't lighten up real quick. Things didn't get better automatically, and then we get mad at God. And the, the Bible says that these people actually even get offended. They get offended. Now hold on. There's a battle for this seed because it's so good. And God wants it in your life, but the enemy's going to come. He's going to throw circumstances at you. And then they get offended. You know, I think the number one reason people move out of their church away from the word of God is because they get offended. They get offended. More people are not in church today because they get offended. And you know, some of the things and we all have we all can be offended. I'm just telling you, I can be offended. Um, you can be offended, but you're going to have to choose what you're going to allow yourself to be offended over. And I ask myself this sometimes, am I going to let this destroy me? Am I going to let what that person offend me? And that's going to ruin my week, what this person said or what this person do. And some people allow offense to separate them from the word of God. Offense offense. I'll tell you what, I'm learning how to be a, a, a pastor. I've been a pastor to adults for about four years. I was a youth pastor for over 20 years of my life. And people get offended because the pastor doesn't say hi. I've had somebody leave the church because I mispronounced their name one time. 
Well, yeah, I told you my name. Do you know how many people I have met since you walked out that door? Can you just give me a little grace? And by the way, I'm not your savior. Your savior. I'm the pastor. And I will do my best. But you know what? People, and all I'm saying is that we can allow little things. I don't like that worship song. And I didn't like that, 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 that. They didn't play oceans today. I love oceans. That offends me. Will you take your offended self home? Because you're irritating all of us. We can't play oceans every single week. And I ain't like that. And you know what I've learned? Most of those people don't even serve in church. They just come and criticize. Stay home. And then you know what? I'm just going to be honest. Maybe this will help you. They take their offended self to the church down the street because they didn't like that church. Now they don't like this church. And then they go down another street and they don't like this church. And every church in our valley is just not up to par. No, the problem is you're offended. So wherever you go, you take you. Your problems go with you because your heart goes with you. And you can go to church to church and be offended and never grow. I see it all, and my heart goes, listen, I'm, I'm having fun because I'm actually venting. This is therapy for me this morning. Thanks for being a part of my therapy. But sometimes you just want to, you want to grab people and say, listen, forgive. No church is perfect. And it sure as heck isn't perfect when you walked in. Now, it was perfect when I was here. But the moment somebody, you know, I'm kidding. I'm totally playing but we're imperfect people. Come on. Or somebody says, oh, I love the church. I love the worship. I love the word. But that person, oh my goodness, they sat in my seat. That's my seat. That ain't your seat. You did not pay for that seat. I will get back to the Jesus stuff in just a moment, but can I just say this? People are dying and going to hell, and we're concerned over the seat that we're sitting in, and maybe the person that needs to sit in that seat needs Jesus. Give it up for him. Give it up for the kingdom, and stop thinking just about yourself. Now that I've offended all of you, We'll have a healing line at the end. But it's petty, petty stuff. But you need to know that affliction and persecution is, let me just give you real quick the process to offense. Here's what happened. A person becomes displeased first. They become displeased. Now, come on, we all, be, we all become displeased in our lives. Ever been to a restaurant? They bring you the wrong food. Okay, they bring you the wrong food. It takes five, 10 minutes. They bring you the right food. But you've, I've, you've probably seen it. I've seen it. You go to a restaurant, they bring someone the wrong food. The person goes ballistic, gets up, gets in the waiter's face, wants to talk to the manor, manager, bring down the owner, choose out the owner. They go absolutely nuts. Listen, it's just food. 
You need to come with me to another country and see what people go through. I've been to Russia. I have been to certain parts of Mexico. I've been certain parts of the world where, man, they don't have what we have. But we become displeased. And you know what? You can become displeased with your spouse. My wife's in here. I'm so glad she didn't say amen. Have you noticed about our church, it's a little interactive, it's a little different than you can become displeased with your spouse, your kids, your church. I was at, I've only been to like three churches in my life. My last church, we were there for almost 12 years. And you know what? We didn't agree with everything. We just didn't. But you know what? I agreed with about 80% of what went on. The other 20, let it go. And you know what? I grew. You're going to try to find a church. You agree with every single little thing. It's just not going to happen. You can become displeased. And then guess what, my church family? You start to live a displeased life. A displeased life. And here's the second one. Then you become resentful. And here's the third. Guess what? Now you become bitter. You become bitter. And being offended will destroy your life. It'll destroy your marriage. And see, first, let me say it again. It happens in one area, but then your heart, you take your heart wherever you go. Then you can't enjoy other aspects of life because you're offended. And you have to let it go. And here comes the word of God. Has the power to change you, raise you up, lift you up. And your stony ground. The Bible actually says this person receives the word with gladness. So immediately Satan doesn't come with this one. Immediately they receive it with gladness. But at first they receive it. But as soon as any sign of affliction, persecution, what happens? They have no root in themselves. I said it this way and I put this in my notes. With the stony heart, basically truth is just subject to your feelings. And if this is just gonna be subject to the way you feel, you're never gonna grow. I've had to crack this book open when I didn't feel like it. Because you know what? I have to put this in my heart when I don't need it, so it's there when I do need it. And there have been times I've been in situations and I didn't know what to do, and this word, this seed that was on the inside of me came up and I began to say it, begin to confess it over my life, and I'm like, where did that even come from? It came because I put it in there even when I didn't feel like it. Can I just tell you when you don't feel like coming to church is probably the best time that you need to be in church? Just saying. The wayside soil, the stony ground, and then here's the third one. He says, among thorns. Verse 18, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and lusts for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So this person among thorns, I put it this way, this person has a crowded heart. The stony ground, I like to say, they're a shallow heart, kind of just shallow. But you know what? The among thorns, their heart is crowded. They got all of these things. Now listen, they hear the word. 
And the word here there is understand. They understand the word. But then here come the cares of this world. And the cares of this world, Jesus actually says, or he gives us this picture, they're like thorns. Thorns. I haven't met anybody that liked thorns. Usually when you buy roses, you got to take out those thorns. Everybody had a rose and they didn't take out the thorns. And you get, ah, you get pricked by that. That Man, that hurts. And Jesus actually uses this example that the cares of this world can become a thorn to you. And it'll choke out this word. See, and I, I just kind of liken this to, we just start focusing on the problem instead of the promise that God has. We start focusing on other things instead of our Savior and what he can do. And then he uses this. He says, it's not only the cares of this world, but then he says, it's the deceitfulness of riches and the lust for other things. See, one of the things that I've learned in my life, there's a lot of good things in my life, but I cannot let the good things in my life be or take a priority over the great thing in my life. I have to keep the main thing the main thing. But he says this, and I, I just want to touch on it for just a moment. Jesus said the deceitfulness of riches will make this become unfruitful. Man, you know, I looked up the word fruitful. I was like, what is, okay, I understand this example of fruit, but you know what he's talking about? You know, one of the definitions for the word fruitful is productive. Productive. My church family, I've never heard somebody say, yeah, I do not want to live a productive life. As a matter of fact, when I was little, my friends, they wanted to be Batman, Robin, I wanted to be a failure. I wanted to be unproductive. I wanted, I, it was always my goal to be a loser. I've never heard anyone say that ever. Most of us grow up with this seed of greatness because in our lives, because you know why? Because who God foreknew, that's you. He predestined us to be and conformed in the image of his son. So there's a seed of gratefulness in you for your life to be productive. And let me say it this way, for your lives to be fruitful. Jesus even said, I want you to bear much fruit in your life. Our, our life is to be, bear much fruit. But then he talks about the deceitfulness of riches. You know what the deceitfulness of riches is? The deceitfulness, and here's the deception. The deception is if I, per, if I pursue number one in my life, money, money will make my life productive. Jesus actually says the deceitfulness is of riches. If you have the wrong priorities, it'll actually be a thorn in you. It'll be like a thorn. Ow! Why? Because I'm, I'm pursuing money as my savior. If you're taking notes, write this down. I put, a crowded heart is the enemy of a fruitful life. Isn't that why we're doing all we're doing? I want to be fruitful. I want to be productive. I want to do this. I want to do that. And then what? At the end of the week and you look back, you go, man, I was busy, but I sure didn't do anything. And we wear busyness as a badge of honor today. But that doesn't mean you're living a productive life. Come on, somebody. Doesn't mean you're living a productive life. And so these people actually distract themselves by the, 
by money. Now listen, I'm not saying money's bad. People always misquote this scripture. (laughs) They always say money is the root of all evil. Money is not. The love of money is the root of all evil. Listen to this, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But listen, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, listen, and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Timothy now is talking about money, the love of it is like a thorn. It'll pierce you. It will pierce you. See, people thought money would save them. They thought money would save their marriage. They thought money, actually it's not. It's him. It's his word. It's Jesus that will save you. Now, Pastor Phil, does God, is it his will that we be blessed, that we be, and move forward? You know, I believe it is. And look what Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, when, when you do it God's way, I love this. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he what? Adds no sorrow to it. When you do it God's way and the seed gets inside your life, there's no sorrow to it. Blessing. And here's the last one. Number four is the good ground. It's the healthy heart. Are you glad you came to church this morning? It says in verse 20, and these are they which are sown on good ground. Such as hear the word, they receive it, and it brings forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100-fold. So when this finds a healthy soil, a healthy heart, A healthy heart will produce fruit. It'll produce results. This will. I I tell people all the time, as a Christian today, reading this word, I have become the person I've always wanted to become. And the person I have always wanted to become, I didn't know this, was the person that God always wanted me to be. And that's why I can feel such a a fulfillment in my life. But you know what? You're going to have to be good ground. Jesus said in in John 15, 8, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So Jesus even says, when you bear much fruit, God is glorified. When you live a productive life, when this seed is making you and conforming you to be like Jesus, guess what? you bring the Father glory and people see him. And that's the whole goal of it. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.